you got two things in life. You got lessons and you got blessings. And when you learn from the lessons, they become the blessings. Oh yeah. Twenty Labos, all no all no pork Muslims. Now most of them. There's a couple that were Christians, but most of them were no pork Muslims. So what I mean is we would party, we would drink, we would go out, we'd do all the wrong things, but we wouldn't eat pork. And that would keep us as Muslims, you know. That would keep us somewhere in our heart. We'd be like, yeah, we're still Muslims. Although we're doing all the wrong things, but we don't eat pork. And we laugh about that. Welcome back. We are live again. It is a Monday night. It is a happy Easter to all those who celebrate it. Um, <clears throat> thank you for the continued support. I think we just hit 100 downloads. We're not doing any marketing. We're posting one a week. Um, we're sharing on Instagram uh, at Succeed, S-E-K-S-E-E-D, um, and I think on Facebook too. So <clears throat> these are meant to inspire young people to live their best life and to reach their potential. And this is episode seven. And um, this episode, I've had a few um, people hit me up and say, you know, you know, how come, how come you're a Christian or uh, why do you believe in God? Or, you know, just there's been some questions lately because I've been boldly sharing a bit more than normal around my faith. And so I thought, wow, uh, the person that was meant to come and interview on Thursday couldn't make it. So I, um, I decided to, this was a good time to launch this one. So it's going to be, well, I say it's going to be short, but it's never really short. Um, but we'll make it quicker than normal, hopefully. So I'm going to basically talk about <clears throat> coming to Jesus a little bit about my story, which I shared a bit about in, um, I think, week three, episode three. If you haven't heard it, go back and hear it. Um, and this is basically an add-on or interweaving in between that. So let's get started. Um, I'm going to read the first scripture. So the scripture for the day is from the book of Psalms. It's Psalm uh, 18, verse 28. For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. And the psalmist here is obviously speaking to God and he speaks to God in lots of poems and he has this back and forth, uh, beautiful poetry, back and forth. And here he's talking about, you know, the light of his world, the light to his lamp, the... Uh, the Lord God will bring light to darkness. And there's one thing that I always think about um, is no matter how dark the darkest of nights are or is, the smallest light can shine bright. A match will be seen in the darkest of darks. That is a big hope. And God is the light. Jesus is the light he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the light to the world. And he's called us to be the light to the world. So uh, basically, uh, I was born, um, as I said, Lebanese migrants. My parents were married in Australia. One was a Muslim, my dad, and my mum was a Christian. And um, 
it was pretty pretty abnormal to get married um, across religion back in those days, the late seventies, and uh, we got raised without God in the home. So um, we just sort of had both. We had Christmas and Easter, and then we also had the Ramadan and the Islamic side of things. So my brother and I had the best of both worlds, people would say. So we were actually envied by both sides because we got all the gifts and we got the the good of both sides. Um, But a funny thing is, when I was about nine months old, my parents had a busy restaurant in Sydney and my grandmother, my mum's mum, Christian side, uh, took me in for, I think, eight months and raised me as their own. And um, she took me to church every Sunday against my father's will. But every Sunday she would take me to church. And I did not know this till many, many years later, like in my 20s, maybe even my 30s. I had no idea she did that. Um, and that must have planted a seed somewhere in my soul. You know, you don't remember that, but your subconscious or your soul, your spirit does. We are spiritual beings living a human existence with a blessing called intellect. People forget we are spiritual beings. We don't need to look far to realize that's who we are because there's an essence within us that is beyond the body, beyond the mind. There's an awareness of the mind, an awareness of the thoughts that can only be explained through the spiritual realm. So people have forgotten that. We are spiritual beings. Anyway, as we got to our teenagers, we probably start to identify more with our Islamic uh, family than we did with our Christian family. We just thought, they were more Muslim than they were Christian, and we thought, you know, the Arabic culture, the background, the, it just sort of made us move that way. Now, did that mean we're perfect Muslims? No. I've, um, I call it the no-pork Muslim. And what that meant was that we would do all these other things. I mean, I told talk about it in episode three. We partied, we drank, we did, you know... A range of different substances which I'm not going to go into now but heaps man we were the party scene so weed pills you name it we were doing it all uppers and um, but then we would pray well then we would do Ramadan and not touch anything and when Ramadan was over we would then hit it again so it was very um, it was interesting it was a journey it's always a journey but so in our early 20s, we, I got real serious and I quit drinking, quit smoking and I did it in my strength and for about nine months I was a good Muslim, in inverted commas, good. Um, you know, prayed five times a day. I, um, they call it zakat or, or tithing, you know, like donating some of my money that I was making and I was trying to be a good Muslim. I seriously, I knew God was real. I just was trying to connect with him. And then I'd have this up and down roller coaster of life. So be good, not be good, be good, not be good. And this kept going um, until I had my first child, my daughter. Now, in that time I met my missus. She was raised a Christian. And we used to hang around with 20 Lebos, all no, all no pork Muslims. Now, most of them, there was a couple that were Christians, but most of them were no pork Muslims. So what I mean is we would party, we would drink, we would go out, we would do all the wrong things. 
but we wouldn't eat pork. And that would keep us as Muslims, you know. That would keep us somewhere in our heart. We'd be like, yeah, we're still Muslims, although we're doing all the wrong things, but we don't eat pork. And we laugh about that, but that's, that's true. That's how we're rolling. And when my missus said to me one day, she said, Sam, you know you're not really a Muslim. And I was like, what do you mean, bro? I was a bit offended, actually. She said, you're, you remind me more of a Christian youth leader. And I laughed it off. Didn't think anything of it. Anyway, many years later, we had kids together. And I, I would tell them, they'd be like, because I, obviously they were raised more Christian than Muslim. And they would say to me, Dad, why are you Muslim and we're Christian? And I'd say, oh, it's both the same God. It's all the same thing. That's what I thought back then. Now, I'm not going to get into a religious chat. This is more my spiritual awakening. But that's what I thought back then. And um, I sent them to a Christian school because I wanted those values, those morals, you know. And um, I was struggling with uh, substance at the time, methamphetamine, actually. And I was very functional. So I'd do the work, I'd try to be a good father, but I would just delve into this, you know, over and over again. And my missus was so patient and I put her through a lot of stuff, a lot of hard times. And my kids saw, you know, the, the bad end of me, you know, the, the quick temper, impatient, angry, uh, sleeping for days. They saw a lot of that. It breaks my heart when I talk about it, but that was my past. I can't change that. I can only change what I can do in the future and uh, in the present. And uh, I got to my 30s and I thought, I had my third child and I thought by then surely I would stop this stuff and I would keep trying. And I had a good friend of mine, I called him my cousin and we would have chats for hours at a time and we would talk and... Uh, I would try, I would try to be better Muslim. I would try to stop. And it would stop and it would work for two, three months, six months. And then I would fall back into old habits. Um, and then one day my wife was praying and she'd never, I'd gone to psychologists, I'd gone to like a couple of rehab places, not, not living, but just like meeting with. And one day she said, God, why have I not brought it to you? And so she brought it to him. And she prayed. And he sort of revealed to her that I needed to meet somebody who has lived my life and had been saved and had been helped. And she Googled it. And she came across a guy called Tony Hong, who I'm going to have on the show. And um, he was an ex-gangster in Sydney. Vietnamese guy and Cabramatta done some bad stuff been with some bad people got saved radically changed his life and was now a pastor helping people get off the drugs she called him up and he said yep great send him over let's catch up so this was in Sydney and at this stage I was probably about two weeks clean we'd just come back from a family trip in Darwin which which I used that actually um, I took with me stuff up there and um, went to Sydney. I rang my cousin. I said, hey, man, I'm coming to Sydney. I'm meeting this guy. My cousin was a Muslim. He changed his life through Islam. 
And he said, why are, you, why are you going to see this guy? And I said, listen, man, I'm not there to become a Christian. I'm there to strengthen my faith in Islam, but he's got a program that's going to help me get off the, the, the gear. Anyway, he dropped me off at this little church. It was like about 100 people. And um, the guy was there in a nice suit. You could see some tats, so Vietnamese guy. And I sat at the front of the church and, you know, they're praying, they're talking about, you know, drugs in the community and fatherlessness, which is the biggest problem we face today as a society. It's fatherlessness. And uh, then they said, who wants help? Please raise their hand. So me not being to a church before, I raised my hand, not thinking anything of it. The guy came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder, he said, hey man, come to the front. I said, what for? He said, oh, we want to help you. I said, can't, can't you just help me here, bro? And uh, he said, no, no, we, we want to help you. So I went to the front and three people stood next to me, big Maori guy and two girls. And I could tell on these three people that they were going through the same struggles as myself. But I was hiding it better. I held it better. You couldn't tell that I was on it when I was. Majority of people anyway. But you could see it in their eyes. Anyway, this guy was praying. He laid his hands on my shoulder. He said, Sam, Jesus forgives you. And I burst into tears. I couldn't stop crying. Now, I'm a crier. I love crying. But I've never cried like this. This was like a waterfall just gushing out of me. And I couldn't stop it. I was trying to be macho and trying to hold it in. It just kept coming. And he said, it's okay. He moved to the next guy. Then the next girl. Then the next girl. He moved to the next guy. Big dude. Cried. I looked at him. We just started hugging each other. And what I didn't know then, and I know now, is that was the first encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, if this freaks you out a bit, I totally understand. Just be open to what I'm telling you. I'm not, I'm not convincing you of anything. I'm just telling you of experience. And the man who has experience need not worry about the man with the argument. Let that sink in. The man who has experience need not worry about the man with argument. I'm not here to argue. I don't need to argue. I have experience. Anyway, all these people came up to me and they said, wow, man, the Holy Spirit. I said, whoa, 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 I'm a Christian. I, I stopped them in their tracks and let them know that I am a Christian. I wasn't a Muslim, uh, that I'm a Muslim, sorry, um, not a Christian. And they were like, yeah, no worries, man, but I'm just saying the Holy Spirit is pursuing you. Anyway, we jumped in the car together and went to have lunch and... He starts talking about, you know, why Islam? Now, this guy was pretty bold to just start talking about why my religion at the time had it wrong and why they were confused and there were some different things that were not right in what they believed. And I thought, whoa, man, you better just be quiet because you don't even know me. We just met and now you're already telling me about what you think is right or wrong in my religion at the time. And I started praying in my head. I said, Allah, listen, this man is talking smack. But I feel like he's coming from the right place. So you better show me a sign right now if what this man is saying is true. And I'll be your best disciple. A disciple is what Jesus says we should be. Is we go out and empower other people with the message of truth, hope and love from Jesus. I 
kid you not, I finished praying this prayer. We drove up this hill. As we got to the top of this hill, I literally opened my eyes and there he was. Three buildings, two k's down the road and big riding across one building. I said, Jesus. And I rejected it. I said in my own head, no, that doesn't count. I rejected it. Anyway, we went and had lunch. We talked to some guys that have got clean all through Jesus, a Buddhist, a Muslim, some Aussie guys. And I said, wow, these stories were amazing. And I thanked them and I left. My cousin picked me up. We went home. We watched all this stuff, all these movies on Islam and reverts, people coming to Islam. It was great. I saw this guy singing beautiful Arabic. It was amazing. But somewhere in my heart, I couldn't stop thinking about what had just happened. Anyway, by the time I ring my missus and tell her what happened and blah, 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 and I came back to Adelaide, I was um, working in schools at the time and I was at this school, um, predominantly English-speaking as a second language, students, mainly Muslim, and I was teaching them about money for my old job. And they all left and I was packing up, big room, big room, and in the corner something caught my eye. I don't know why, but it just drew me to that side of the room and I found myself just walking towards this room towards the corner and I looked and there was a little card and I kept walking towards it and as I got closer I realised what was on the card was Jesus randomly put in the corner of this room I mean you couldn't even see it from where I was from I don't even know what drew me towards that I have no idea but there it was that was another sign on the third sign, I went to the, this bookshop in Adelaide. It's called the Kurong. And the Kurong is Christian books, books of faith. And so my, my daughter was an avid reader, and I didn't like the books she was reading. They were a bit like weird, mystical stuff. So I thought, we'll go get her some good books. We walked in. I left my wallet in the car. I went back to the car, grabbed my wallet, came back to the, um, to the doors, walked in. And there on the right was a table. It was the book of the week on display. There was about 30 copies of this book on there. And it stopped me in my foot part, in my footsteps, just stopped me. And I looked and stared at this book. And the guy came over to me and said, is everything all right, mate? I said, not really. He said, what's wrong? I said, what is the title of that book? Because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He read it out to me. Seeking Allah, finding Jesus. That was the last direct message at the time that I needed from God to pick up the book and start pursuing him because he had been pursuing me. And this guy was a Muslim, way more Muslim than me, on a journey to try and disprove Christianity. And instead, he became a Christian and lost all his family because of it. they disowned him, uh, they excommunicated him. His name was Nabil Karishi, and he became one of the best apologists. He was such a great debater, he was well-researched, and he was coming from the heart. Jesus had captured his heart, and now through this book, he captured mine. In the time that I read this book, the guy Tony Hong from the other church, where I went to Sydney, rang me and said, how's everything going, man? I said, bro, you're not going to believe it. I told him the story. He was laughing. He was like, of course, I believe it. And he said, listen, I'm coming to, 
uh, Adelaide this Friday to plant the church. Love you to be there. I said, done. So I took my family, went there. That night, I felt the Holy Spirit again. I cried uncontrollably again. That night, I gave my life to Jesus. The crazy part about that night is when we got home, I was on my knees in prayer, and I asked Jesus, if you are who you say you are, then you take all of this from me. You take the desire, you take the drugs, you take the drinking, you take everything. I don't want to be fighting it. I want it gone like it was never there. And I felt this purple, dark cloud lifted from my spirit, from my body, from my soul. And from that moment, I knew that it was finished. It was done. He had taken it from me. When I got into bed that night, I whispered to my missus, Babe, I'm clean. I'm done. She said, Yeah, yeah, because I'd said it a hundred times before. Easy. A hundred. Over ten years, man. I tried to stop every freaking few months. And yet I never had succeeded before. And yet day after day after day for the first three months, she kept looking at me when I got home from work and was so surprised every day, every day, every day. I was clean, I was clean, I was clean until finally from ear to ear she was smiling. She said, oh my gosh, it's true. I said, I told you. And not through what I did, through what he has done for me. He took it for me. He took it from me. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't touch weed, I don't touch drugs. And I've done that since I was 13 years old. Smoked, smoked weed, 15, started drinking. Like every weekend, this was a long time. And yet here I was, not through my effort, not through any struggle, it was gone. Now, have there been struggles since? Yes. In the first three months alone, I think I mentioned this in the in the episode three, I was um, hit by a car, hit and run, in a bike, on a push bike, broke my scaffold, uh, I lost my license and my job and my car all within three months, and then I lost my friend from school to suicide, and then I lost my best friend to suicide. So in the first six months of becoming a Christian, I thought life was going to be easy, and it wasn't. But instead of going to drugs and alcohol to deal with my pain like I would have every other time before, this time I went to prayer, I went to the Word, I went to my knees, I went to God. See, there's a saying, it says, when you stumble, stumble toward Him, and when you fall, fall to your knees and pray and that's what I did and he got me through it about six months later I was um I was in prayer and I was in the word every day every day you become what you consume you are what you eat and you are who you hang around so the more I consumed the word you know The more I hang around God and spend time in prayer, the more I become like his son, Jesus. And I remember praying and saying, you know what? God, this heaven and hell, 
I know, like you've done so much, but heaven and hell is not really a thing. And if it is, you need to show me a sign. And God knows I love signs. He knows each and every one of us by name. He knew us before we were in our mother's wombs. He knows every single one of us. And he knows what each one of us needs. And he gives me signs. I went down to meet a mate for breakfast. Normally, I would ride my push bike from Teachery Plaza to Norwood. As I was pulling my bike down the driveway, I felt his voice say to me, catch the bus. I'd never heard it audibly before. This was the first time. I said, what? And I heard it again, catch the bus. It was so clear, I knew what I needed to do. So I left the bike in the driveway in the garage and I went and I caught the bus. And as I caught the bus, I was reading the word on my phone, uh, going through a Bible app devotion. I got to have breakfast with my mate. We're chatting. I left. I went across the road to go to the bus stop and I heard the voice again. Keep walking. This time I didn't need to question it. I knew the voice. I knew that. I knew that. I just knew the voice. I felt it. So I walked up the parade and I felt this time I didn't hear it. I felt it. There was the bus stop I needed to sit at. So I sat at that bus stop. Within 20 seconds of me sitting at the bus stop, a young man, same age as me, except he was on, um, he was on um, crutches, permanent crutches. I could tell they weren't just like you hired them. He, these were his crutches. He stumbled over and sat next to me. And I said, oh man, you're all good? He said, yeah, I'm all right. He spoke real husky. I said, man, what, what happened? You all right? He said, yeah, I got hit by a car. I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, man. He said, no worries, mate. It's all good because it's real. I didn't ask this guy anything. All I said was, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And he responded to me, it's okay, mate, because it's real. And I sort of didn't really understand what he said. So I looked back at him, I said, sorry, mate, what did you say? He said, it's real. God showed me heaven, and it's real. Now, as you can imagine, I was blown away. I was dumbfounded. I was in awe. I was silenced. My jaw hit the floor. I looked at him. I looked up in the sky, and I said, what do you mean? So I pulled up next to him and I started talking to him. I said, you don't understand. Why would you say that to me? I just prayed that this morning and this is how God reveals his truths to us through people. Who knows? Maybe that guy was an angel. I never saw him again. I got his number. It disappeared. I could never find his name. I have no idea where he is. But he was there that day to show me that God spoke through him to me. And this is the experiences I've had in life. I've got so many stories I want to talk about and I'm going to open up more about them but I'm going to finish that there. There's so much more I want to talk about. I'm going to do a part two of this but I want to make it just short and sweet. To just So when I talk about God, when I start the podcast with scriptures, when I'm posting on my page, I don't Bible bash but I just need people to know that Jesus loves them. And what he's done in my life has been nothing short of miraculous. 
I can't claim it. Yes, I'm creating the habits in my life now, 100%. But what he did, no man can do. Not in his own strength. It had to have been divine intervention from the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Much love. Peace in the middle.